Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to Best of Health Radio. This is Bar Regis, your usual host, but not the host tonight. Today, we're going to talk about my journey in the last month, and I am lucky to say that Karen Nowicki is going to host this episode, and we're just going to chat about a situation that's occurred for me in the last month, and this is all about your health and your business. I'll give it to you, Karen. Yes. So, yeah, um, normally <laughs> I'm running the production board when Barb and Best of <coughs> Health is here uh, once a month for this series. And Barb and I have known each other for years, and we got to talking about this uh, melanoma journey that she's been on this past 30 days and thought it would be great to do a little switcheroo and have Barb be her own uh, guest of her own radio series. And we're just going to have a candid conversation around uh, what's happening for her specifically her plea for all of us to make sure that we're getting into our docs for whatever, you know, health exams we need and, and right. those and those that are routine. So anyway, we're here on Best of Health Radio on Phoenix Business Radio. And today I'll be hosting and Barb Regis, our Ask the PA and health advocate is in the, I was going to say the hot seat, but I don't think I want to call it that. How about the, she's in the, she's in the, <laughs> I feel lo- a little hot in yeah, several ways right yeah, now. Yeah. She's in the love seat. She's oh, in the love seat. So Yeah. So welcome back to the studio. And I've had a chance to see you since our last segment, because again, we are personal friends and and had a chance to check in on you and Tony. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Lots of text messages back and forth. So let's, for our new listeners who, you know, may have just been uh, checking everything out on social media and keeping an eye on you that way, or for your, you know, friends and family and patients, let's, let's back up and let's just have you get us caught up with uh, your diagnosis with melanoma. And uh, we'll just answer some questions and yeah, tell, tell your, tell us your journey. Well, it's interesting. Um, Essentially a month ago, after seeing my dermatologist a few days before that, I actually went into the dermatologist because um, I had a couple skin changes, one of which I knew was on my face, and that was a squamous cell carcinoma, and I knew that was going to have to be dealt with. But I had this very strange lesion on my arm, on my uh, right arm, forearm, and it started several months ago, and it just looked more like a wart. It just, just looked like possibly, you know, a, a benign lesion, like a spitz nevis, some other things like that. So I continued watching it, not really thinking too much about it. And then it started growing a little bit more. And my husband, God bless him, Tony, thank you, you know, said to me, you know, you really should get that checked out. I just want you to go see the dermatologist. And the funny thing is he actually scheduled the appointment for me. He knew that I was in a huge transition at work with new employees and uh, with new EMRs and all this kind of stuff. And they couldn't get me until May. And he didn't feel that was good. So he begged me to reach out to my dermatologist, Beth Lopez, and ask her, you know, if there's any way that she would, as a courtesy, see me. So she most graciously did that. And uh, we went ahead and biopsied three lesions, uh, one on uh, the side of my face that she had found, and then the squamous cell, which was proved to be squamous cell, and then the third one. Five days later, I get a phone call, and I'm never outside. And I was outside on the bench with uh, my coworkers and we were just hanging out and Beth says, hey, we need to chat right away. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, I'm going to start from the good news to the bad news. And the good news was, hey, that first one we found on the left side of your face, not a big deal at all. It's fine. It's it's benign. 
it's a little complex nevus, you're good to go. Second one, she said, you know, it's a squamous cell. So we're going to have to get most surgery for that. And then there was a pause. And I said to her, I said, don't tell me. Don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. She goes, I got to tell you, you have an amelanocytic melanoma and it's deep. And we need to get you taken care of right away. And the first words that came out of her mouth after that was, we need to refer you to an oncologist and to a surgeon. And I just felt numb. That dime flipped. All of a sudden, my life changed. And I just was like, what? And she goes, yeah, seriously, we need to do this. So she most graciously scheduled those appointments for me. And I was able to get into uh, an oncologist the next day, Dr. Kamadi over at Ironwood. And I was able to see him. And then uh, the next day, two days later, I get to see Dr. Mark Renful over at uh, Advanced uh, Surgical Consultants uh, Associates, actually. And basically, they ordered a PET scan, ordered blood work. And before you know it, um, within a week of that time, I was in surgery. Uh, the blood work came back normal. So that was all good news. And I never felt any lymph nodes. So I thought, well, it's deep. And I saw the path report and that scared me. I did a lot of reading. I learned, I feel like I'm a little bit of a uh, knowledgeable and advocate of all about stage of melanoma. And I went home and I talked to my husband. I'm like, this potentially isn't going to be good. I was reassured by my oncologist that, you know, not to worry about it. It wasn't going to be that bad. And um, so, you know, we pursued ahead, went back to work and just uh, my, uh, you know, my employer at Premise Health was amazing. They uh, said, do whatever you need to do. And Insight Enterprises was equally amazing, like do what you need to do. Had my PET scan on Wednesday, Thursday morning, I went over to Banner and I was in surgery right before surgery. Dr. Infola walked in the room and he said, hey, uh, um, how you doing? And I go, ready to go. And uh, he, um, it was interesting. I had a nuclear test done and what they did was they took this dye around where the cancer was, is, and it was able to track the, where my lymph nodes were going to drain to. So we are looking at this scan and I saw a lymph node between my axle of my armpit and my elbow and it blew up. So I fear like that was probably the first lymph node that this cancer would go to. Then under my armpit, there were two more lymph nodes. So Dr. Renfolo was amazing. He was looking at that. And I said, hey, oh, by the way, doc, uh, my PET scan was done yesterday. He goes, hold on. So he gets on the computer, gets his password out, and he looks at me, he goes, PET scan's negative. I'm like, oh, thank you for once, some good news here, because I'm thinking about that lymph node. I'm thinking like, uh-oh. So the decision was we might do a skin graft, uh, put some skin over there if you can close it, or what he was going to do is do a white excision, and then he was just going to close that little sucker one way or another. And so that's what they did. Um, did a white excision, about two centimeters and, and what they did was it was so smart because what he was trying to do is get as much tissue as possible to see if there's any hints that I had more cancer in that area. Smart. And also to give them more information. And I totally thank him for doing that. Um, 42 stitches later on that one, about five uh -huh. inches long um, incisional line. Um, it's healing. Arm's still a little sore over that. And then basically took out three lymph nodes and um, went home the same day. And some amazing friends of mine, uh, thanks to Karen, um, came together yeah. and brought us uh, food for dinner for a couple nights, three nights. And my, my running buddies, we just chatted and they were there real supportive. My husband was able to go back to work. And I thank you for that. You're welcome. It was really, it was really great. 
So basically recovered. And then it was like, wow, all these doctor's appointments. It was like, you know, one appointment after another, after another, after recovery. And um, on Tuesday, I went ahead and got my squamous cell on my face taken care of with uh, Dr. Janik, who's an amazing Mohs surgeon uh, at the same office as Beth Lopez over at Skinny Cancer of Arizona. Um, Plastic surgeon. Yeah. And then I had a plastic surgeon oh. on top of that. So he went ahead and removed that. And then I, w- I went over to a plastic surgeon, Dr. Wolf, and she closed me up and um, went home. And my husband was ready to go back to work. And then I got a phone call. And I said to my husband, I said, hey, hold on. You may want to hear this. And it was my surgeon. And this was, so this was a week ago? This, this was, the surgery was Thursday the 12th. Okay. Or that Thursday, and then the following Tuesday, five days later, he called, and he said, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm doing fine. And he goes, I got your path back. And I'm like, okay, so what do we know? And he said, well, the good news is that the tumor wasn't any deeper. Uh, It was, there was a little bit of tumor off to the side. They cleaned up. He said, you have clear margins. He goes, all the tissue that we took out of there looked great. Um, No signs of, like, tiny areas of cancer, which is called... um, satellite metastasis in the area that was good and then i said so how about the lymph nodes and he said you know we took three and i said yeah he goes the first one uh between your elbow and your um your armpit axillary area was positive with micro metastasis less than a millimeter i said okay i kind of expected that um i didn't think i was going to dodge that um the second one in my axilla was positive as well and for micrometastasis, and the third was clear. So based on that, um, I'm considered essentially cancer-free, but not cancer-free. So I'm cancer-free in the sense that they feel the rest of the lymph nodes are okay, but they're not going to go in there and take all the lymph nodes to find that out because that's just not a good standard of care. And that would cause me chronic inflammation and pain and my quality of life wouldn't be good. So I totally agree with that. So then basically what happened was I um, told my husband and uh, I was like, wow. And so I was able to get an appointment with my oncologist the next day because I had questions. I was like, hey, I was essentially told statistically, <laughs> and this is what's kind of the ir- irony of the whole thing is like only 40% of the people have lymph nodes between the elbow and the axillary. I was in that 40%. Between the elbow and the armpit? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not everybody has lymph nodes? Between- they. They, most people have the first set of lymph nodes in the armpit. They don't have a oh. rogue node, no doubt, in between. So that's only 40%. Then, and I learned that from the tech. Then the second stat I heard right before surgery was, you have a one in four chance for metastasis. One in four, Barb. What is metastasis? Meaning that I would have lymph node involvement. Oh, okay. So one that, in when, four. When they say it's metastasized, that's what that means. That right. It, that it's, it's whatever the cancer is, is in the lymph nodes. And it could be potentially in other parts of your body. Okay. Whether it would be brain, liver, lung, sure. intestines, okay. that kind of thing. So what was interesting was that um, I was that one in four. So then basically, you know, I talked to my oncologist and he's amazing. Dr. Kamadi, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he said, hey, you know what? Um, We're going to go ahead and get you started uh, and get you approved for immunotherapy. And we'll talk about that down the road. And so I was grateful for that. And so it was like, hey, now at least I can be proactive about doing something. Because otherwise, how you feel is like, you know, 
cancer's running around in your bloodstream. And you're like, what are we going to do to like blast these cancer cells away? So then I had another test done and that was called a castle test. And the castle test is kind of very interesting. And anyone out there that has melanoma, please, I don't care if you're stage one, two, three, four, whatever, please ask your provider to do a castle test. It's a very interesting test in which they analyze the tissue and they can look for genetic risk for reoccurrence, meaning the cancer, that cancer coming back or a different cancer possibly coming. There's four stages of that. 1A is basically you have a 98% chance that you'll never get melanoma again. Then there's 1B, 2A, and 2B where you have a over one-third chance of the cancer coming back. And I ended up being 2B. So now I know I have that. The last test that we're waiting on is that it's a test, it's a genetic test called the BRAF test. And there's a mutation that's, uh, it's kind of complicated, but basically when your chromosomes and genes, there's a mutation along this specific gene called the BRAF gene. And it's where one of your proteins flips and it's enough to cause you to have a predisposition for melanoma. Right now, the thought process is I'm pretty convinced that I probably have that. And the reason is, is because I have no family history. I was the one who kept covered most of the time. My family, that's the big thing. Like, but you were the one who kept covered. You weren't the sunbather. Yes, I did have some, I did have some skin exposures. I mean, I had sunburns when I was a kid. I'm not going to argue that. But everything that's pointing right now is that I may have this genetic predisposition. That just blows my mind. The body is so complicated, everybody. We have these chromosomes, we have these genes, and the fact that we stay healthy the way we do, it's a miracle. It is a total miracle, but it takes one simple protein in a genetic pack to flip to cause someone to be fearful of this melanoma and be at risk of recurrence like within the next couple years, maybe five years, if I'm lucky, 10 years. 15 years, we don't know. Mm-hmm. So this is Melanoma Awareness Month. Oh, that's right. May, <laughs> you had mentioned that. May is melanoma. Oh, how ironic. That, I don't think that's an appropriate word, but how yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's May is Melanoma Awareness Month. And here you are 30 days past the first conversation, right? Around, hey, exactly. this is what you're dealing with. So you've talked about the, you know, kind of the chronological journey. Yep. Can you give us a little peek as to what goes on in your heart and mind? And if you can speak from first person, what, what right. you know, the feelings and the... It's, it's crazy because I am a healthcare provider and I care for people and I've taken many, uh, I've been with many people along their journeys. Most of the journeys have turned out very positive and some not so positive. I am not naive at all to think that I would ever be you know, the one that would dodge these kinds of things. But knowing my family history and stuff, it wasn't exactly what I expected. So 
it's it's an emotion where it's good days and then it's sad days. It's like, am I going to be able, I'm 55, am I going to be able to live another five years with my husband? Am I going to live 15 years? Is my therapy going to work? Am I going to be able to continue to work? And this is something I want to drive home. We love our families. We love what we do to contribute to society. And that's what makes us us. We're, 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 we're individuals that want to, and I especially want to give back. And to think that that could be cut short over something that essentially I may not have had a lot of control over. It just, it, it just, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of like blows your mind. It's like some days I'm like, oh yeah, this could be, I'm going to be that person. I'm going to be around for 30 years. No, I got this in the bag. And then there's other days where I'm like, wow, I don't know. You know, it reminds me of a conversation you and I had when we, you were my medical provider, <laughs> my primary, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what was happening and ended up with a radical hysterectomy and appendectomy. And right. we went through that period of time where you you just, you you don't know if you're dealing with a health scare and and it involves a cancer scare. I remember my emotion being all over the place from confident and calm and like, you know, I've got this and, right. and prayerful to, oh my gosh, what if, you know? And so I hear you saying the same thing, that it's, you really just have to continue to stay present right. with what's going on and, and stay hopeful and educate. And, and your, your story today is really around, listen, uh, you know, friends and family and patients and, and really people who've been following you as a, a practitioner. Do what you need to do to take care of yourself right. preventatively. Right. And I hear you saying with your experience, and I, I guess I'm asking this as a question. With melanoma, how much of it is environmental and how much are we predestined to have it in our genetic makeup? Do, do we have numbers for that? That's a really good question. And I'm diving. I think it's, I, I, I wish I had a specialist here to actually answer that question. I think it's a mixed bag for both. And the reason I'm going to say that is because, of course, you start doing your deep dive in your research. And one of the things that has totally blown my mind away is that there are stories. And when I'm looking for those survivor stories, I'm not looking for the ones that have passed. I'm like, I want to hear your story and I want to see how you dealt and coped with this and how you live your life knowing that you have this, I'm sorry, I'm going to call it demon living within you. And there was a two-year-old, two-year-old girl. I think she, and she's still alive. She's nine now. Oh my. And with melanoma. Yes. And this was an amazing story. And I think it was in um, Aim at Melanoma. Uh, the mom wrote the story. She essentially had a lesion. She went to her primary care provider and they thought it was a um, viral lesion called molluscum contagiosum. And said, no big deal. It'll go away. Don't worry about it. Can, can I ask you to pause for a second? Because you've used the word lesion a couple of times. To me, very unmedically savvy. <laughs> to me, lesion is like an open wound. Uh, or a growth. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I just wanted to ask because, you know, when you were talking about Tony was encouraging you to, you know, like right. you probably get to look at, looked at, and yeah. now you're talking about a second, a two-year-old having a lesion. Yeah. I picture like, you know, something that's oozy, oozing and, and really bothersome. 
but it it just is just like an unusual growth, growth. An unusual growth that, that looks, changes. Right. Okay. And, it, and it was like, and then she went back to the PCP a second time and the PCP said, you're fine. Don't worry about it. It's probably just a little wart. Let it go. Okay. Mom. And this is one thing I've said all along with my students and I've said to my patients, you know, your body's better than we do. And mom was smart enough to get another opinion. She went to a dermatologist and she said, please biopsy this. Wow. And it came back to be the exact same melanoma that I'm dealing with right now. And she was two years old. Now you tell me, was there any environmental exposure on that? I don't think so. Talk to mom. food, maybe. There's not enough, you know, there's not enough studies to know for sure. Except for we do know that there's certain... um, certain things that we can take to possibly avoid getting cancers when we talk about that. But can you imagine this mom? So anyway, they get treated. Um, she has her white excision. I think it was on her leg. And basically, to make a long story short, they fought this thing with interferon therapy um, for, I believe, a couple of years. And she has been um, without detectable cancer for now, I think it's like seven years, wow. or five years. Amazing. Two-year-old. Two-year-old. Is that the same therapy that you've started? No. No. She had interferon, which was a therapy that has a lot of side effects. And until immunotherapy really came um, into the stage, the front stage, I call it stage because there's been a lot of uh, studies with it just in the last few years and a lot of indications. And so I'm on a therapy called Opdivo, and it's an immunotherapy, and it's... um something that I get IV every two weeks for the next year. And it's interesting. It's the exact same medicine and dosing that our past president, Jimmy Carter, took for his metastatic, meaning he had melanoma in his brain and he's still alive today. Well, okay. Melanoma melanoma in his brain. Yeah. So he had a melanoma that spread through the lymph system and the blood and eventually hit his brain. And they went ahead and treated him, and then he did Optivo for the last year, and he is in, in remission. Uh, he's doing amazing. So what this immunotherapy does is it, it targets a, it's called a PD, PD-1, and it's, it's interesting. I have to read this to you because it almost sounds like we're in a movie here. But what it is is that it, it's an anti-PD-1 antagonist. What it does is it, there's, it's called the human program death receptor one. Sounds like a Star Blocking, Wars. Movie. Exactly. Antibody. <laughs> and what it does is that it works on the cancer cell and, and your, your T cells, a specific cell in the immune system to be able to block that PD one so that your immune system can attack the cancer cells and destroy them. And there's been studies with this um, that basically in the last 18 months, people have been cancer-free or at least non-detectable cancer in stage four, which is stage four melanoma is basically the melanoma that has hit somewhere like the lungs or the brain or, or the liver. Not like me, I'm stage three, the lymph nodes. And people were living. So what was interesting for me was that I qualified for this therapy. And had I been diagnosed 
before January 15th, around January 15th, I would have not been qualified for it because the FDA just approved it for stage three melanoma. Wow. So you think about it. So for me, it's like, yeah, it's terrible that I was stage three, but if I was stage two, there's still a chance that this would go around my body and I'd be doing nothing. Well, stage two or prior to January, right? Had you, are you saying that had you been diagnosed prior to January 15th or whatever date you said, and it was stage three, you still might not have been a candidate for this. I would not have been. Would not have been. Okay. So that's so, yeah. So it's the timing. The timing was really weird. Yeah. So, so think about that. So, so I'm like, you know, people are saying, well, that's just horrible that you're stage three. And I go, well, it's horrible, but it could be a mixed blessing. Right. Because with this 12 month therapy, it's my best shot at my immune system and my T cells going to that cancer, annihilating it, blasting it, put it, killing it off, and also teaching my immune system to recognize those cells. And on my own, fight it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was diagnosed with this melanoma 10, 15 years ago, before immune therapy and interferon, before that, it was chemo and radiation. So you were killing all the good cells and the dead cells, and people were dying quickly. My prognosis is not great. In my opinion, I would like to hear 98% chance I'm going to be around for 15 years. I'm hearing I have a 66% chance to be around for hopefully a long time. But I have a one-third chance that I won't. I'd like that statistic to be a little bit better. But the cool thing is we don't have no long-term with Opdivo and other immunotherapies because it hasn't been around that long. And so all the studies are based on like, the last 18 months, what they're seeing. Oh, wow. Very recent. And so it's really recent. And what's happening is that there's other therapies that are being developed right now for things like melanoma, small cell cancer of the lung, small cell cancer of the kidney that are giving people hope and giving people a chance to fight this. And that's what excites me. But what also excites me is that, you know, I have to believe that this happened for a reason. I have to accept this and I have to fight it with every bit of determination I have. And I have to believe that I've got a lot more to do. And I really believe down in my heart, I have so much more to do to advocate not only about this journey, but about people, again, getting better healthcare experiences, advocating for themselves, because right now I'm living it, eat, sleeping, and drinking it. It's so fascinating to me because we, when did you start your first Best of Health radio show? It's Mm, been six months. Six months, six or seven months. Right. So when we first sat down over dinner and, you know, you knew that I had been broadcasting for a while, you had already been a guest. Right. uh, And you know, you're like, what would you think if, right? you know, I started this best of health series. I don't think we had the name for it then, but you are working on a book and we'll talk about that in a minute. And I, I got to have a closer um, relationship with you in, and what your journey and your passion is as it relates to be an advocate 
for, for our health. You know, when I say our, I mean like everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a, that's a tall order. And yet for the last six months, I've witnessed and watched you take it with, with such mm-hmm. grace and dignity and what's the word? Umph and, <laughs> and grit. And, and, and then this happens, right? And, and this isn't the end of anything. This is, as you said, just you, you've got to believe that it's happened for a reason so that you can, I think one of the posts that we put up today to promote the show was like to, to switch seats you know, just even just like you and I, I'm I'm uh, the host and facilitating the conversation. You're the guest on your own show, much like in your doctor's office <laughs> when you're right. working with your patients. You've now had this real time experience to be in the you know sitting on that tall bed with that crunchy paper underneath us. Yeah, that those gowns that too. Yeah, those gowns that you all <laughs> make us sit sit in in those freezing doctor's rooms. And uh, and not that you haven't ever been to the doctor before, but. Uh, it, I can't, I, I agree with you. I, there, there is a reason for this. And, and I know we're grateful. I've watched your, your fans and your followers and your patients and your family and friends They've been uh, on social media. It's just like people, you know, you've done a great job uh, being very candid and open and w- obviously would encourage you to continue to do that. But you're here, you're here to, to make a big difference for us. And, and I know I, for one, I'm grateful. Well, and I'm grateful for the opportunity and it was kind of, the other irony of the thing was, thanks to you, I was meeting a lot of really amazing people. And we were starting to set up meetings and I was thinking of you and I was like, man, Karen, this is starting to happen. I'm so excited about this. I'm meeting, you know, Jody and all these other people. And and we're talking about like, okay, next week we're going to meet and do this and this and this and this. And then all of a sudden, the gray. Breaks. Yeah. But, you know, just temporary. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm but- so. But that plays into the thinking too, right? right? Because when you're when you're uncertain and you're waiting in between tests or you're laying in the hospital bed or you're at home in recovery, we our imagination can get the best of us and we're thinking, well, what if? You know, what if I'm never going to get to write that book that really helps people navigate their healthcare system right. and encourages them to, you know, to really look at insurance and, you know, why all those things are important for us and where do we play into big farm and all those things that I know you have a passion and a, a great um, experience with and right. knowledge about. Well, and, and it's interesting because I'm playing my book right now. I know. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting. Um, my book, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm ready. I hate to say pull the trigger, but I, to go to publishing and I was so close. And then this happened. And so I, I have a working title for the book, but I had to change it. And I did add an extra chapter to the book well, about <laughs> my experience so far. And, and the book title is Surviving the Business of Healthcare. Kind of goes along with the show. Knowledge is Power, a unique perspective from a fourth generation family practice provider and cancer patient. Right. The and cancer patient is, yeah. is the, the new chapter. Yeah. Wow. And so the beginning of the book talks about my journey so far with um, this, and it's not going that far. I, I just wanted one chapter that started in the book. But let me tell you, um, one of the first things we talked about was, why do you need health insurance? Can I share with you all my experience? I looked at last year, all I did was preventative. I paid into my health insurance, did my HSA. Thank heavens I was accumulating my HSA account. HSA is? Health savings account. Mm-hmm. Which means I, what? Which means basically what you do is you have a um, insurance in which you have a higher deductible, but the federal government uh, pre-tax allows you to save so much money based on your age and based on if it's you and your family. 
So for me, I could save about $4,000 uh, pre-tax money for my healthcare. So I started saving and saving because I believe in HSAs. It, it's, it's great. But me, when I picked my insurance this year, I was like, ah, I'll go for the highest HSA account there is. Um, lowest out of my paycheck. So like about $18 is going out of my paycheck. And so my deductible on my HSA is for myself, not my family, but just myself was uh, in network, network uh, $4,500. And then it went to an 80-20 up to, I believe, about $65,000, So last year I used nothing. This year, um, first appointment, a couple hundred bucks. Um, hey, we're going to have PET scan. We need you $2,200. Without health insurance, that PET scan would have been $7,000. Oh, yeah. My dermatology appointments, I got the explanation of benefits for all the biopsies and everything that was done. And again, I saved thousands of dollars because I had health insurance. So within a week's time between my deposit from my hospital, my amazing surgeon, Dr. Renfola, you're amazing. Thank you. I so appreciate you. You know, everybody needs to be paid, not a problem. So it's like, hey, thank heavens I had those accounts ready to go. And I had a personal credit card that I had on the side in case I ever had a problem that I preach in my book. So it was 2000 here, 1800 here, 1600 there, 800 there, my dentist, $700 here, this, this. And within literally less than 10 days, I went through the whole amount. I went back to one of the doctors yesterday and they said, you know, you still owe us this. And I, and I, what I did was I took a, a screenshot of my account through Blue, Blue Cross Blue Shield and said, met the deductible, <laughs> met the 80-20. Could you please reach out to my insurance and please submit the claim because I'm kind of like, and, and so grateful for my insurance right now. Because if I had no insurance, I don't think I could have had surgery. And I know darn well, I would never have been able to get the immunotherapy. And the other thing is that with, you know, how expensive medications are without insurance and without a discount and a program for the immunotherapy, a year's worth of immunotherapy is $150,000. Oh, boy. Bristol Myers-Scribb has program that you have to qualify for. And they were able to qualify me for the program. And so significant um, that I think I'm going to be able to get my entire therapy for about $25,000. And then I do pay for each infusion, which isn't covered um, for just the infusion itself, um, for the IV, you know, for that, that kind of thing, where I go into the center and basically they hook me up with the medicine, pay uh, a fee for that. If I didn't have those HSA accounts, my husband and I would be dragging into all of our savings and it would be really scary. So I can't even imagine people that aren't prepared for this. So please, I beg you, get a health insurance policy, the highest deductible you can afford, because within a period of seven to 10 days, my life has changed forever. And if I didn't have health insurance, I don't know what my husband and I would do right now. And I'm grateful for that. Grateful. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it just drives the point home. And that's in the book, getting discounts on your medications, just what we're doing in the book. How you advocate for yourself, the questions you ask your doctor. Don't be afraid to ask the doctor the question. And, and, you know, some people are a little softer and I've been really upfront with all my providers. Please be honest with me. You don't need to sugarcoat it because I need to know and I need to process it and I need to figure out how I can learn from this and be a better person and, and, you know, take this to the next level, whatever that 
will be. So that's, that's where the book's going. And I'm telling you, please, 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 because I do feel that a certain percentage of my book is going to be don- donated to melanoma research. I well, want right, to put it out there. Is, right, which that would, had not been in the plan previously. No, no yeah. I was going to probably go a more general yeah. uh, direction, but this is going towards melanoma research, a portion of the book. Still, we haven't decided you know, the price point for or anything like that, but I do hope that the book will be available in the next three months. Well, I've been very fortunate to read a good portion of it. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It, it it's a it's a fantastic journey, as you mentioned, fourth generation, right? I mean, your right. grandfather's grandfather and yeah. dad yeah. have all been doctors. Yeah, and the stories that you share, just really what it was like to grow up in a small town, right? Pennsylvania, I think. Yep. Yeah, Coopersburg, <laughs> Coopersburg, Pennsylvania, and being the the neighborhood or really the community city doc. Right. Uh, which was in your home. Right. And I think his, his um, room was above or? My, my bedroom was bedroom. right above yeah. um, the office. And whenever the doorbell rang, my dad would run down in his bathrobe and greet people and open up the office. It was crazy. That happened that's what once you knew. But that's what I knew. Yeah. yeah. And there's all sorts of other things that happened because it was definitely, um, our kitchen had a lot of activity crazy I mean, stuff. There are some neat <laughs> stories that you share. And, and I, I, uh, I don't read medical books. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, I read health books, but this is such a unique book because you, you tell your personal story and what it's like to have grown up right. uh, and have why you've become an advocate for health right? and the specific points that you tell and the stories that you tell. They're ju- it just such a, it's such an easy read for really such heavy topics. Right. And um, my goal is that it goes viral and that people reach out to me. People, I got to tell the community out in social media, thank you, because a lot of you reached out to support me, like Karen said earlier, but also a ton of you have reached out to me and said you went to the dermatologist and some of you have issues and a lot of you've gotten a clean bill of health. And if one life is saved over this, it's worth it to me, period. Um, I had someone dear to me reach out and say, Barb, I can't believe you're telling me, but my sister just called me and she was diagnosed with melanoma. I don't know the severity of it. I mm-hmm. told him and I'm saying it right now. If she's listening, please reach out to me. Done a lot of research. I think I could at least be your buddy. I do also want to say an amazing thing happened as far as reaching out. Um, I posted my story very briefly on uh, Aim Against Melanoma. And I didn't know if it was posted. I couldn't even find it. But all of a sudden, I got this uh, Facebook message, again, Facebook message from this guy named Bob. Bob is in Northern California, and Bob is a two-year survivor of melanoma. He was, I believe, a professor at Berkeley, involved in the education leadership area at Berkeley. And he reached out to me, he said, I saw your story online. And he goes, it would be easy if we could just confront each other. He goes, but I did some detective work and I found you on Facebook. And I hear, hear what you're saying. And I want to be there for you to help you cope with this and help you and your family cope. Because I can only imagine how your husband must be feeling right now and your family is feeling about this. And he said to me that, he wanted to chat further, which we haven't quite yet, but that he felt he's always been a great person, but through this melanoma journey, his whole take on life is different. 
It's more fulfilled. It's just for him, how he described it was just, it, it, it sounds cliche, but it makes you a better person. But I was a great person before. <laughs> and I can tell Bob was, but I haven't talked to Bob yet. But I love that. Well, it it sounds like it gave him his life even more meaning. He was fulfilled. Right. He was joy, joyful. Right. I might make some some assumptions here. And with this, he learned so much about himself and about life. And now he can extend that Which, to be a, a, you know, a, a power partner for you and I'm sure others. Right. And so, Bob, if you're ever listening, thank you. We haven't even really chatted yet. But from the bottom of my heart, the fact that you reached out to me so early on, I'm grateful. And this was just through Facebook, a post within a, a melanoma group? Well, what? no, it was um, AIM Against Melanoma. I a- just, I'm sorry, AIMED? I, 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 a- AIM. Oh, so it's like, AIM. Yeah, AIM against, against, yeah, melanoma. Uh-huh. And there's a section in there, and it's uh, it's a little bit of a uh, clinky-like website where you can post your story. Oh, so it's not even, this is off Facebook, but he yeah. found you. He, yeah. Oh, yes. Wow. So he... Beautiful. Found the story. So I wanted to see if I could find my story. And I still on that website can't find my story. But, but it's Bob like, where you put it? But Bob found it. And he said, you just have to be creative. So I started digging in and I found you on social media. It. Then he sent me a personal message and he sent me his email. And he said, I look forward to chatting with you. And then the last thing he said with me was, um, I'm going in for my full body exam on Monday. I know they'll find something else. Arg. <laughs> so I hope, Bob, it turned yeah. out well for you. Because yeah. I went in on Tuesday and I'm waiting for four more biopsies. <laughs> right. So. Yes. Okay. So, again, grateful for social media, for stories like this. And and I do see this all the time. You know, uh, well, I, I just love social media for so many reasons. And this is one of those perfect examples right. where we can rally, we can help, we can support, we can find, we can, you know, we, we can just be there for each other and celebrate in addition to when people are going through difficult things. So yes, let's fast forward because when we are talking about your chronological journey, these last 30 days, I think we left off when we talked about your therapy. Right. And then just recently you went back in for a full body scan. Yes. And get us updated on that. So, I don't think that you've shared this on social media. No, uh, because I'm still dealing with it. As I know, I have a very high risk for recurrence and I'm still waiting for the genetic test. And I'm, I don't know, I just kind of have a gut feeling where that's going. Um, I had my full body uh, scan. And so, uh, Beth, you did an amazing job. Thank you, Beth Lopez, getting cancer uh, with Neil Fernandez, who does uh, all the slide reading. He's their pathologist, dermatologist, and he takes great care of my husband. Dr. Walk, you know how I feel about you. I've known you for years. Um, they do deserve amazing plugs. Great people. She took out four biopsies, two of which were on my arm. One was on my hip. And there was, <laughs> you know. Well, what, when you, you text me and you said there was one spot where the sun doesn't shine. shine. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you should, have, you should have seen the look she just gave me. Almost <laughs> like, am I allowed to share this piece? I'm, should I hold back? So two on the arm, one on your hip, and then one in um, between your butt cheeks. In between my butt I'll cheeks. I'll say it for you. Thank you. <laughs> and she said that one looked concerning for a possible pre-melanoma or a melanoma, but it did not 
look like the nodular amyl anisotic, but it actually looked like it could potentially be like but a regular. The rule is let's, and they already have, they took it out. Yep. They took, they took a biopsy. And so we're waiting to hear about it. And, um, all I can say is that's, if you had to ask my major fear right now is that melanoma can pop up in areas that are not exposed. So we're talking behind the eye. And right now right. there's a big deal with, I believe it's a university in California where they have detected uh, 40 plus uh, cases of people at a certain period of time when you talk about environmental uh, with melanoma in the eye. Sure. And so now they're wondering if it is environmental, if there is a building sickness. Hmm. Um, I forget which university is and i apologize because somebody was just telling me that right before i came here behind so, the eye yeah like so the eyeball ocular, ocular melanoma and so how does how do you find that like uh you go to a, an ophthalmologist and they do the dilated exam and they go oh what's that black spot uh okay so it'd be it would be as long as it's dilated your eyes dilated there that's where they would discover it right if you're when now, they do it now here's the thing op- as long as you're getting your regular Annual eye exams. Right. Let's go back to that. <laughs> right. So here's all the exams that, you know, when you have melanoma that have to happen, um, got to get an eye exam. You need to go to your gynecological provider because melanoma can also be seen in the vaginal internally. area internally. Melanoma can also be found in the anal area. Yep. Melanoma can also be found in the intestines. It can be found in the brain. It could be found in the liver. Even before be you see a lesion? Primary lesions. Possibly. Okay. Not necessarily metastatic. I, when I, um, I don't, so I just, I'm 53. When I turned 50, it was right. Does that sound right? It was about when Mm -hmm. I was going through all of my, my stuff, my hormonal stuff. And I went to the dermatologist shortly after that. I had never been to a dermatologist before. And I remember she was looking between my toes, uh, you know, all everywhere uh, behind my ears. Uh, and I just, I thought, wow, I was so naive because right. I thought it was just where, you know, we'd be lathering sunscreen right. on. Right. And that's what's so scary about it. Um, and that's why you don't take it for granted. You don't take life for granted. It's, um, it, it, it's the thing that haunts me the most. It's like, it's one thing being able to go and have your skin exams every three months and start lopping everything off. Whack-a-mole, literally. Whack-a-mole. Yeah, so here, a new name for whack-a-mole. My husband thinks that's kind of funny. (laughs) Um, Love you, Tony. So, but you just don't know what's going on internally. Yeah. Yeah, and you just don't know. And and you don't want... and And it was interesting. I finally hung out with my parents this past weekend. And my dad's an old doctor, like, sit the house. He's 95, still pretty sharp. And he, basically, when I told my melanoma the first time, he goes... Honey, you're in big trouble. I go, oh, wow. Thanks, Dad. Dad. <laughs> Thanks. Oh. So, yeah, because at 95, he's thinking, you know, no one survives melanoma. Right. Because that's how it was as recent as how many years ago? I would say even last 10, 15 years. Okay. So that would have put him at what, 75, right. 80. And, and his practice before that, nobody survived right. it because they didn't do oh, anything no. really. Yeah. So it was interesting he said that. And then it was interesting. Um, when I saw him and I explained the immunotherapy, I explained everything the doctors were doing, everything. He had a little sense of calm. And then he looked me in the eye and almost made me cry. And I'm holding it. I'm, I'm hanging in there right now. And he said, I really feel strongly I gave it to you. I said, Dad, you've never had melanoma. He goes, well, but I'm the one who has all the skin 
problems. I've had a lot of basal cells and squamous cells, and I just feel like I gave it to you. I said, Dad, you didn't give it to me. Even if this gene comes back positive, it's not familial. It's not something you pass down. So I gave him a big hug, and I said, please don't ever think that you had anything to do with this. It's just it's just bad luck. It is what it is. Yeah. So he's feeling a little bit better. Yeah, I know. I, I remember, uh, again, just seeing on Facebook when you first, uh, you know, were like, okay, I'm dealing with something. I'm just asking for prayers. What do we call that? The Facebook, uh, yeah. when you're uh, you're private but not private, there's right. a, a little term for that. Right. Vagueness. Face, va- vagueness? Va- vagueness. Okay. But, but it's like Facebook right. vagueness, right? Right. So I remember that. And I remember you saying specifically, listen, if you know my parents, please, for right now, let's just not worry them until I know a little bit more. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I'm, I'm glad they're there to support you and, and, uh, what a sweetheart to, to probably just have to get that off his chest, even though it isn't warranted. No, it's not warranted. Um, but, um, it's, it's, it, it is what it is. It's, yeah. I want him to know that I love him very much and that he had nothing to do with it. It's just one of those things. And the other thing is that, you know, you, it drives the point home. Don't take life for granted. And please, you know, be grateful you can work. It's be a great grateful way to close our show. Let's let's speak yeah. to that. Be grateful that you can work. Don't take things for granted. I've heard you say many times, don't sweat the small stuff. Right. Well, and I, I've always been one of those people that takes things to heart. And <laughs> my dermatologist, Beth, said to me yesterday, she goes, you know, stress can cause cancer. You've been under a lot of stress. And then also, you know, you don't sleep real well. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, add it to the list. I've always been somebody who's just like, tried so hard to, to, to do, I guess I t- internalize everything. And I think this lesson that I'm going to learn is that I need to spend more time with self-care. I think it's going to make me an even better healthcare provider because everybody's issues are legit. And healthcare providers, again, listen to me. If somebody says that they think there's a problem, run with it. I understand evidence-based medicine, but over and over and over, I've seen things like that. I waited based on evidence. I went in because my husband finally said, you know, you got to get that checked out. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to learn not to sweat the small stuff. I don't, I find myself not having patients being around people that are negative. People that are but yeah, but yeah, but or giving excuses for why things don't work out instead of being a true team and being pro- uh, proactive and proactive. Yeah. And I'm grateful again to um, Premise Health for their support. And you are by far one of the best employers out there, if not the best employer for a healthcare provider mm-hmm. and a team. And thank you. And you get to re- represent both teams. Your premise health, but you and are on insight. the inside campus. And I want to say about insight. You guys have been way over the top in your support, and I think you have the best corporate culture there. I think HR does the most for, for their employees. They care about you so much. I've had so many of my patients and people that aren't patients walk in the clinic, ask how I'm doing. I've had flowers. I've had food brought in. I had a gentleman stop in um, right before I came here and said, hey, I am so glad you're back on campus. And I want to thank you guys because you guys are the best. And 
I'm hoping not to go anywhere anytime soon. No, I love you're you not. guys. We're not letting you go. Okay. And I don't plan on it either, but you know. And and I, I, think, it, I mean, it's important because I have a sense that our listeners are thinking the same thing, especially those that know you. All of those people are rallying around you because of the gift that you are to all of us. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, well, thank you. I guess really, I kind of, it's, it's really, kind of a weird feeling well, when I hear but that. It, but it, um, it's really important for you to acknowledge that or for for you to let us acknowledge you in that, that the reason why all these people have come to congratulate you and love on you and help you and, you know, just be curious about your journey and pray for you and all that is because of who you are to us. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And can I give a couple more shout outs really Absolutely. quick? Absolutely. Okay. I want to thank with the bottom of my heart, and I've said it four times or eight, I don't know how many times, Dr. Mark Grimfola and Advanced Sur- Surgical Associates. Great group. Um, I've referred to them for years for a lot of different things, but the professionalism and the quick and the communication with you guys has been over the top. Ironwood Cancer and Research. I love you guys. Again, you've always been my go-to for cancer treatment. You care. You you follow through. And you see a lot of my patients. And the feedback I get on you guys is just like over the top. Amazing. And I'm experiencing it. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything you're doing for me. Dr. Wold, plastic surgeon. Man, you're good at what you do. I'm hoping someday maybe I can have some other plastic surgeon through you. And hey, you never know um, with whatever happens with my backside. I may need you sooner than later. Would you really do plastic surgery? <laughs> I don't know. At this point. You never <laughs> get a humor here. But, but literally been amazing. Uh, I reached back out to my primary care provider, Maria Morton at One Medical. Yeah. And I want to thank the people at One Medical for reaching out to me. And sending me some beautiful flowers. And even though I don't work for you anymore, with you anymore, you've always been in my heart. And I thank you very much. And thank you, One Medical. And I, behind you, behind all of you for your continued success and growth and what you're doing to change primary care. Thank you, One Medical. To people I've worked with in the past and my patients that continue to reach out, thank you very much. To Karen Nowicki. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because you're giving me an opportunity to do things that I've always dreamt about doing. And I am very excited about the next few months, the people that you've been able to connect me with through this show. And I am so excited to see your journey mm-hmm. and to support you. You're amazing. And, and last but not least, I want to thank my husband. Oh my gosh, the rock. He is a rock. <laughs> Not and to be confused with my, the and rock, my family the actor. And, and my extended family, my yeah. cousins, my my brothers, my parents, my you know sisters, my everybody, my girlfriends, and yeah. my dog has been like all over. Like I think she must have known I had cancer or something like that. She knew, and and all my girlfriends and running buddies, and oh my goodness, you guys, one by one, my heart is full. Thank you, Usha. Thank you, Karen Woodruff. Thank you, Mickey. I'll be seeing you in a little bit. Um, thank you. Yeah, and I, Tony, and I, I made light of it calling him the no. rock, and then you went on to other folks. But Tony, yeah, Tony is this guy, and I, and and I know we're wrapping up, but there's one story I want to tell you, and he's probably going to be a little irritated with me. Um, you can he, let him be irritated at okay. me instead. So, Tony, this is, I'm forcing her. No, no, <laughs> I'm going to skip that story. But what he, you know what he's doing is he's doing a lot of research. 
And I want to I want to share that. And, and I forgot to share it earlier. But he every morning gets out my supplements, my vitamin D, my fish oil, my resveratrol, because I'm not drinking any alcohol at all because this immunotherapy could mess around with my liver and other areas and stuff. And I don't want to take any risks. He gets out my um, palm tea, which is a combination of turmeric with a couple other ingredients that are cancer fighting agents. He gets out uh, a couple others and he puts it right by my coffee in the morning. He goes, there's your supplements and my turmeric. And then in the evening, he does the same thing. And he's done some research on turmeric and and everybody, turmeric and cancer fighting, read about it. Exciting. There's a new version of that that is uh, that the body observes so much more. It's called nano cucumeron. Uh, I'm sorry I butchered that, but it's turbocharged turmeric. And he has read studies from the National Institutes of Health about how this particular agent herb spice is able to attack cancer cells and cut off the blood flow to the cancer cells so that they cannot reproduce. And the studies are amazing. And there's therapies coming down the road based on this. Wow. My husband is doing deep dives like no other. Thank you. And I'm hoping that Dr. Kalmadi over at Ironwood will allow me to take that along with my immunotherapy. He may say that I have to wait till afterwards, but the research is amazing. Check it out. Nano Kirman, um, I call it turbocharged turmeric, and my husband's going to laugh at me because I mispronounced, I'm sure. Well, if you can email or text me with a spelling for it, and then we'll put this up as a podcast replay, we can make sure that we have that in there uh, as well so that people can look it up. Start taking it as a supplement. Spell, I can't even pronounce turmeric. Yeah, but <laughs> take it, spell it. Take it as a supplement. Yeah, yeah. But thank you. I know we deviated from closure. No, no, actually that was perfect because we had talked before we went on air that you you wanted to speak to that that um, should I call it a therapy, the new the herb. A potential yep. therapy right. that's being studied by the and, National and Institute of Health. Had I not said come back to Tony, we would have we might have missed it. So it's always it's always a perfection and uh, and Tony, you are perfection. We appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Thank you for being so open and honest about your journey. I think you spoke to it already, but would you give one last little insight as to why someone who, um, you know, is so visible in our community with the work that you do, why you would choose to be so open and honest as you're going through this, literally as you're going through this? Because I think the take-home message is preventative care. Don't be scared. Part of this is my therapy, too. And the feedback really helps me get through day to day. I think knowing that you're human, you're scared, is is a natural emotion. And I want people to know that, yeah, it hurts. But again, I, I want to let people know not to be scared. And not to be afraid to talk about it. This is not a hidden taboo. This is just life. And so that's why I'm sharing this and will continue to share this and let you be updated when I have scans and when I get reports back because I believe out there it's going to help someone else. And that's what I care about. 
Yeah. Thank you again. Uh, for our listeners who may be just tuning in for the first time, how can they get a hold of you and follow you with your Ask the PA advocacy? Um, I have a Facebook page called Ask the PA. Please friend me and share the information. Uh, I have um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I have Ask the PA slash Barb Regis. I'm on LinkedIn as Barb Regis PAC. I have pretty much those are the main three that you can get a hold of me. Um, also, um, there's email links for me as well. Don't ever hesitate to just reach out on Ask the PA. You could ask me any question at any time. I will get back to you. We do it in private. Also on Facebook, you can messenger me. Same thing. It's in private. I will never violate a trust. So if you have a question, don't hesitate to hit me with it. I promise I'll be back to you. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks again. You've been listening to Best of Health with Ask the PA and Barb Regis on Business Radio X. Until next time, to your health and to your well-being. 